Welcome to SocialCast, your go-to place to learn about marketing, the latest social media news and insights. Brought to you by Social Bakers. Welcome to the next podcast episode, everyone. Today, we're speaking about empathy and marketing. Because let's be honest, as marketers, we would all benefit if we could relate to our customers easier. And we're bringing in Monica Rashid, our Director of Product Marketing, to walk us through this topic. We're going to be speaking about the strategy, the tools, and really anything else you need in order to be a more empathetic marketer. Anyway, without further delays, let's get into the conversation. We're live with Monica. Monica, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast. Uh, how are you? Uh, how are you doing? Hey, Mantis. It's really good to be here. Thanks so much. Um, I'm doing all right. It's uh, snowy here in beautiful Prague. So I think it's a great time to get cozy and talk about some cool topics with you today. Yeah. So um, maybe about that so that the audience knows what we're, we're speaking about in detail. So I think uh, we as marketers are really used to thinking about uh, our uh, what we do, our work, very much from the point of view of the business and the business practices and the business metrics. Uh, and I think what we want to speak about today is kind of flip that point of view and what does it feel like to experience your brand as a customer? And how do you kind of, as a marketer, put yourself in the shoes of the um Customer, so I'm really kind of looking forward to this discussion. I think where we're, you know every marketer struggles with this, right? Yeah, exactly. You definitely want to be achieving your business goals as a professional, but at the same time, you don't want your business goals to cloud sort of the wider reason and purpose why we we feel good about what we're doing every day. Okay, so I want to maybe start this conversation with uh, looking at some of the brand uh, experiences we we personally had, uh, you know, and uh, we obviously are consumers, and uh, we had probably some really good ones and some bad ones. So uh, maybe Monica, can I start with you? Can you maybe share one experience that really wowed you with with a business? You're setting this up really big, really wowed me. Okay. <laughs> um, it's it's a tough one. I, I, I think there's two ways to look at this for sure. And I'll give maybe two examples, but one is from more of a local level, you know, interacting with your local businesses, which I think is a, is a big one for many of us uh, mm-hmm. in lockdown. And then maybe more on a global level, um, you know, sharing my, my love for a global brand, but the local experience actually happened last week. And, uh, my husband and I like to eat at this sushi place by our house, and we now have to order online and then go pick it up from from the little window. But uh, mm-hmm. we noticed that their that their app experience was uh, confusing. There was one section there that where you could add sort of optional additions, like you know, I want extra ginger or extra soy sauce. Uh-huh. But the, the app experience wouldn't let you skip that. It said this section must be filled out, and you're like, well. It's optional, but it must be filled out. And then you are adding like extra money for these additions. And so for two or three times, we're like, whatever, we'll just pay it. And then they kept delivering us like extra ginger. And then finally, <laughs> finally, we got down to it and we're like, okay, we, we really have to message them and, and tell them, hey, man, your app experience is confusing. And uh, so we sent them over a quick message and they responded to us within, you know, 30 minutes and said, hey, that's not supposed to be like that. Thanks so much. Um, we really appreciate you reaching out. And the next time you order with us, please order an, a dessert on us. You know, something silly uh-huh. like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really nice. And I, I think there's something that you um, mentioned that's uh, 
kind of key here too is that you said it's kind of a smaller shop and it really i feel like for these smaller businesses it's almost like easier to some degree to create a really great experience for their customer for their customers because there's that sense of community right like that it's kind of manageable that community sense uh, and as you scale it becomes more tricky and then you need kind of to think about it strategically a bit further right yeah, absolutely. But if you also think about small businesses is that, you know, a free dessert to them may be a bigger deal than like a free dessert from, you know, a larger right. brand. So uh, it means that much more because they you do understand that they're like, oh, that's the girl who's coming in once a week. We know her. We'll give her a free dessert. So they are building up that community in that business. But uh, and they I think it you can really feel that added effort where with big brands who have more resources, you'd think they'd be able to offer something similar or even something better or bigger and oftentimes i don't think that's the case Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i can share one experience uh from a a kind of a a bigger brand uh, maybe and it's like so so obvious you know that uh, i think many discuss the customer service uh, from apple but i'm not the kind of person to really get in touch with like customer care teams or so i just kind of try to like figure that problem out on my own uh but uh, I thought I would over kind of the holiday period when I had a bit of time. And, uh, you know, Apple devices, you kind of pay a lot for them. And so you, you're kind of thinking you're paying for this brand. Uh, you're paying for the design. Uh, you Sometimes maybe you may feel like you're being overcharged. And I never realized, like, what the customer experience is like of that yeah. brand. And uh, I kind of just had this very... Um, uh, regular expectation when I was getting on a phone call about um, Apple TV, and uh, I was totally like, it totally exceeded any expectations that I had about how they dealt with me. How I, it felt like it was the most uh, important thing for them to this, like this minute problem that I had, and uh, how quickly and how eager they were to kind of reimburse me for for my purchases on the platform, and I. It, I really was surprised how much they exceeded what I actually expected from a brand. But of course, it's Apple. But. Well, that's the question, right? You know, you can say, of course, it's Apple. But, you know, Christmas time, they're churning out a lot of, you know, customers. They're they're really, they seem like they would be incredibly busy. So at that same time, I would, as you would, lower my expectations a little bit. So, you know, the Christmas period is when you would have a lot of questions, but then you would be ready to feel frustrated and annoyed. So I think that's great that they didn't let that holiday period really affect the service that they were promising to give you. And that's really part of one of their major value propositions, I would think, too. Mm-hmm. Some, some companies maybe don't prioritize the customer, but I think Apple really has always been that type of company to maybe champion the customer a little bit better. Yeah. And, it, you know, honestly, it feels great. Yeah, being a customer. But uh, do you have like another experience to share, or or do you want to jump ahead in the conversation? I can give one more small global example um, that's a little bit uh, also food related. Uh, there's the Greek yogurt company Chobani, and right, the reason I right, the yeah. reason I wanted to bring them up is actually this is a customer experience that happened to me maybe eight years ago, and uh, so I thought I would share it because it maybe left a lasting impression if I'm speaking about it eight years from now. Um, But this was basically when Twitter was just sort of growing, right? This was, I guess, 2012. And brands were just making their way to Twitter. And uh, I decided I wanted to start my own public Twitter, which I don't have anymore. But 
And I was like, I'm just going to tweet about Chobani because I realized that their prices were going up on their yogurts. And I just tweeted out. And then uh, they they sent me a message back and they're like, hey, um, sorry to hear you're not happy. We would love to give you some coupons and um, make sure that you are feeling comfortable purchasing from us. Um, and they also sent over some magnets in the mail as well. So it was oh. my first ever experience with Twitter care, you know, 2012. It's in its infancy. And uh, it, it really surprised me and opened my eyes to, you know, the impact that social media care could actually have. So it was one of my very first experiences with that. Yeah, there are a fantastic uh, brand. There's a, a, an exceptionally great uh, TED Talk from their CEO that that uh, speaks about how they kind of built a brand and, and how really like uh, empathy is kind of at the forefront of, of, of that business. And it really shows through. And I think we're going to speak about empathy a little bit in this uh, conversation uh, later. But um, before we get there, or maybe this is actually a segue. So let's talk about the times when it actually goes wrong, you know, mm -hmm. and it's uh, actually in an extremely fast paced uh, digital environment. There's probably uh, less successes and more failures in terms of uh, customer experiences. And uh, what would you say are sort of the key oversights in this uh, area? Uh, why do businesses uh, get it wrong sometimes? That's an amazing question. I think that's one that's being very much solved in 2020. People are like, oh my goodness, it's time to actually think about this and sit down. Um, and in 2021, as, as we still are so very digital and even, you know, making this part of our regular day-to-day, -day, this is something that brands need to reconsider. I think some of the mistakes are, or often oversights maybe is that, um, we were expanding rapidly or brands are basically, you know, you have to be on every single channel at all times. And maybe, maybe there was too much, I don't know, action and maybe not enough reflection mm -hmm. at the very beginning. You know, we talk a lot about building strategy around content creation for social media marketing, but maybe brands didn't have enough strategy built out for all the other um, oversights or missteps that they actually had to, you know, pre-intuit. And uh, I think mm -hmm. we, a lot of brands got into that, feeling when they hit their first, second, or third issue, especially last year, and they maybe thought to themselves, I don't know if we've actually built plans around each one of these maybe so-called edge cases. Hmm. And I don't know about you. What do you what do you think? Is it is it a lack of planning, a lack of strategy, or is just like maybe people haven't prioritized it? I'm curious. Uh, well if we specifically speak in the context of, uh, of kind of the last year, um and, and again, it comes down to business practices and, and kind of our routines and, and business practices. It's so easy for, for us to get stuck uh, in doing things the way that we're used to doing them. And you kind of, you know, you go to work day to day, week to week kind of, and sometimes you're just really uh, trying to knock out tasks out of the way without maybe thinking uh, enough about innovation or thinking about uh, whether this makes sense to the customer. And I think it's when this happens uh, is when it's really kind of felt on the customer side. And I think, uh, you know, last year was really the year where you couldn't rely on doing the things the same way and continue mm. doing them. And I think a lot of uh, bad experiences did rise to the uh, surface that way. Right. Uh, it's like no customers really want to feel like they are an afterthought of the, you know, I did my daily routines, I did my task, and uh, now I should think about my customer. 
Um, or, you know, I should think about my customer only when they are feeling bad or only when they're reaching out to mm -hmm. me. There's sort of that uh, reactive approach I think a lot of brands are taking perhaps more than this embedded or even proactive approach to uh, integrating the customer into everything that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit, you know, like that uh, uh, cliche about uh, uh, marriage, you know, that it's like as soon as you kind of get married, you kind of stop trying, you know. And I think, <laughs> You know, sometimes businesses do the same thing with uh, with their customers. As soon as you know they're, uh, you know, through the purchase, it's like, look, that's it. We scored uh, this one. You know, let's let's move on. Yeah, and if you think about just how pervasive social media reviews are now, it's it's suddenly like, oh, this person is not just going to leave. They're going to boomerang and they're going to boomerang angrily. And it's going to echo and reverberate through all of our channels if if we don't constantly keep an eye on them, keep mm -hmm. close to them and keep understanding where they're coming from because uh, they're not just going to leave your shop and sit in their car angrily. They're going to sit on social angrily fuming. And that's right. that's something you can't really afford to, to manage anymore if you don't have this whole end-to-end -end, and then that feedback loop towards the beginning again mm -hmm. uh, embedded into the way that you work. Yeah. There's uh, two things that you uh, wanted to bring up in this podcast, and I, I want to discuss them too. So one thing is uh, timing, and the other is a little bit crisis management. So maybe starting with the timing, uh, can you just uh, tell uh, our listeners why is that really crucial for, for good experiences? Yeah, exactly. So we talk about in this podcast, we'll be further diving into what is empathy in marketing and what does empathy really mean? And when we think about empathy, maybe we think too much about or enough about, we think a lot about uh, how we're positioning our messaging or what images we're using or, um, mm -hmm. you know, that feel good, you know, I think of empathy, you're thinking of developing the relationships, but maybe you don't think about the tactical, uh, I guess, approaches around around mm -hmm. that message that will really make it land or not land and the first one is I think timing so we can think of timing from two sides right so timing is like when I am posting my my social media post when I'm tweeting when I'm you know letting out my Instagram stories out of the gate is this the time for my audiences to really right. engage are they open are they receptive are they online I think that's something marketers are really they have a handle on write pretty well these days. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're getting that data, they're getting that insights about when their audiences are most active online. But the other side of the coin now is, is um, how to tailor your schedule around their needs, around your customers' needs. So when they're seeking me out, can they find me? Um, if they are mm -hmm. angry at 2 a.m. because something's broken and they need it right now, can they find me? Can they find our answers? Can they get in touch? So you have to really balance, again, this I have my daily routine and I have my times that I'm reaching out to you. Deal with that. Or also, are you open on the other angle? Are you there when they need you and when they're seeking you out as well? And I think yeah. that's empathetic, definitely approach to, to understand uh, this new type of marketing. I don't know. What's your take, Mantis? Yeah, no, it's... Uh yeah, there's a couple of ways to think about uh, timing, and it's really kind of about trying to understand what kind of mindset is the the customer in. Like, are they ready to receive that sort of message? And you really see it like uh, it it can be pretty awkward when it's just the wrong time for for a message or the wrong place. Like, for instance, uh, B two B brands make this uh, error often where they go to Facebook or or Instagram and they try to do like very kind of super hard business focused content and it's just mm -hmm. like not uh you know when you're 
taking out your phone to check Instagram, you're not particularly in a space to, uh, you know, think about business solutions. Like you're, you're, you went to Instagram for a different purpose. Like right. you, you, you had a bit of free time and maybe you wanted to, to, uh, kind of relax and, and be kind of mindless for a second. Right. Exactly. And if you are pushing the hard sell on social media, which definitely is part of many marketers job or KPIs or expectations from management, how are you going to cushion that message around other informational content or Mm -hmm. uh, this mindless content? It's like, then you have to build out this diverse social media strategy that meets and is empathetic to your customers needs, but also, you know, you get to sneak in what, what is actually expected of you as well from that side. Yeah, yeah. And speaking about timing, like one thing it reminded me um, of as well is just timing from a point of view of, uh, and this maybe links back to crisis management, but uh, just not timing your message to kind of the vibes in the world. Like many brands kind of got it wrong last year uh, on many occasions. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, maybe that leads us to the the next point, so crisis management and and timing, and where where do you want to take us, Monica? Oh my goodness, this is such a large topic, right? Uh, I think crisis management is a very scary term. When really, let's let's break break it down maybe into our building blocks, right? And we were talking about mm-hmm. timing as one building block, planning as one building block. Have you thought of everything that could happen? Do you have a plan set out? Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's important about Thinking about crisis management in terms of being an empathetic marketer is understanding that if you are having sort of this always-on marketing message, if you are posting at a regular cadence, then you also need to be sure that you're listening to how people are are, are feedbacking to that. And, mm. and if you are just pushing through and uh, you don't even have a plan to, you know, how am I going to structure my apologies if I do get it wrong? How am I going to be okay with, with being wrong? I think it's brands, if they are going to be sharing our space and, and acting like our friends or our community, then they need to have a human approach to timing, to uh, apologies, to growing, to learning, to unlearning. And that's a huge ask for a brand, but I don't think it's a huge ask of marketers who are behind that brand because we are people doing doing the work, uh, propping up and lifting up the brands that we work for. Yeah, this is a really good point. It's like a really uh, big barrier sometimes for brands to get over that idea that they cannot uh, apologize or do something wrong, you know, on social media. It's it's totally possible yeah. that you as a brand make a mistake and uh there's nothing worse than avoiding accountability for that error right absolutely that's the perfect point do you want to sort of drive that home because that's that's exactly what i'm thinking of right now Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's uh brands always want to avoid kind of liability for for anything they do you want well you want it kind of smooth sailing and whenever there's a hurdle like you don't want to face it so i totally understand it Uh, and then from an investor's point of view as well you kind of want to invest in businesses that only do right but that's not the point right like there's a point that they need to act in this social media or digital space as sort of responsible accountable uh players same as everyone else is 
Exactly. And I would say that if you're a brand who's always doing quote unquote right, or then maybe you're not going far enough to see what mm -hmm. your audiences really want from you. And this is, we, we see the trends, right? Mantis, these 2021 yeah. trends about purpose-driven marketing or brands taking a, a position on, um, how, how they feel or, and that is very empathetic to, to have this, this human mission as your brand. And if you're always doing the right thing, then maybe you aren't as purpose-driven uh, yeah. as, as you think. Yeah. If, if, what, what is that saying that like, yeah, if no one disagrees with what you're doing, then you're not doing anything that's worth your time kind of, I don't know <laughs> what's the exact saying, but right. Yeah, and it's about like if you want to be a brand and participate meaningfully on social media, you you do have to not hide behind the fact that you're a brand. You're you're a group of right. people uh, growing, growing a community. You know, still with your business goals in mind. But if you're mm -hmm. entering that community and, and push positioning yourself as part of it, then you have to act accordingly. And that's why I think, as we mentioned, timing makes a big difference. You can't just uh, intrude on your community and uh, act like the, you know, the big person on campus when really maybe you need to you know, let your user generated content shine. This brings us to so many other avenues, like as a brand, right. as, as a brand who is empathetic and who cares about their community, what, what can you really do to make that shine? Whether it's improving your app experience, making your mm -hmm. FAQs easily findable, um, posting funny content when it's appropriate, um, posting apologies and following through. Like there's so many really cool mm -hmm. things that brands are able to do if they are not going to be this stiff sort of um, mm -hmm. ephemeral concept, but really a collection of people. Okay, so what if you want to be more empathetic as a marketer and you want to be able to place yourself in the shoes of your customer what what can you recommend monica wow this is a really big one right and you and i have talked about this quite a bit is if you're placing yourself in your customer's shoes as a marketer maybe these are also your shoes right mm. um all of us who are marketing we get to be on both sides of the coin especially you know working on digital or in the digital space um we really have our own examples, right? You have the Apple example. Yeah. I have the Chobani example. Uh, I have the the street bistro example. All of us can can know what it feels like to be frustrated or upset. And um, but for some reason, when we're you know sitting at our at our desks or in waking up in the morning, we somehow take off our human hat and put on our marketer hat. And I don't know where that disconnect is. Maybe it's because we want to create a clear distinction between home and work, but. Um, we have to find a way to put on both hats. And you described this quite a, uh, quite nicely, you know, when you sit down for the day, how do you keep both hats on Mantis? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I struggle personally with it because it's so easy to, to get into that kind of business thing immediately. You know, you like as human beings, we kind of built that way. We built to, uh, take shortcuts and maybe think, uh, less than we actually should, you know? So when you end up opening your laptop and you're putting on that marketer's hat, you gotta, you gotta keep that uh, customer's hat also on your table, on your desk uh, so that you, it's constantly in mind. I personally think that it's, it's really hard to, to keep that top of mind. And really, if you cannot get away from that business thing, so I, I would say just take a break, you know, go on holiday, just be consumer for a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, break those patterns somehow uh, just see the world a little bit differently look at other fields as well like not just your uh field right 
Yeah, you can find really inspiration anywhere as a marketer. Um, it, it makes me think of this really great meme. As always, mm -hmm. I'm a 2021 marketer. I love a good meme. But uh, there's this one that's like when you send a, when you write an email, a business email, and you press send. I love to go to my sent box and read the email from the perspective of the receiver. Um, and I think, I don't right. know if you've done that before, but sometimes I'll send an email and then I will look in my sent box and then I'll reread it again to see if like my tone came off. Okay. Or, <laughs> this is, this is yeah. ridiculous behavior. But then I saw a meme and I realized it's not ridiculous behavior. If it's a meme, that means more than just crazy me is doing that. No, no, I've done, that done, I've done that before, you know, and sometimes you just kind of read that email and you're like, wow, that was That was a good one. Really job well done. <laughs> so can we do that with our with our marketing content too? So. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. We sometimes just send it out and we're just like, that's it, you know, uh, day done. Uh, tomorrow <laughs> awaits different challenges and we don't we don't return to it. Yeah, you're totally exactly. correct. Or if you think about, you know, you you spend a lot of time making sure that, you know, our website is 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 a super tidy, not just, you know, uh visual experience but also that it's it's sensical in a lot of ways so how do you even navigate you know if we take marketing beyond mm -hmm. social media how are you and the the teams behind the website really also making sure that people are landing in the right place that doesn't confound them or make them feel like they've done something that's not exactly what they were looking for yeah okay well let's talk a little bit more practical in a sense of like if you need to equip yourself with uh tools uh, and some kind of a measurement framework for how you can understand whether you're uh, failing or succeeding at, at customer experiences. Is there like a like an empathy amplifier that you can purchase? Uh, what, what do you use? Oh my gosh. Uh, let's see. Uh, I wish, yeah, just a, one of the bunch of feedbacks that we love is, you know, really understanding if you if you post a piece of content out there, you, you want to see if people are reacting to it. So I think the worst is when you post a piece of content and you get one like from your grandmother and you get <laughs> one comment that's from somebody who's selling you something that has nothing to do. So there's one, I think one gauge is seeing like, are humans interacting with my content? So having yeah. a, a whole view of, of um, the customer journey basically, or you can start small if you're a social media manager, look at your social content. Um, and realize, understand how people are reacting, whether that's whether that's uh, understanding sentiment or just seeing the types of emojis that are being used or are people really reacting to your links or, or are you going to have to invest in video content because that's what's really getting people going. It's just having a, a look at what people uh, are finding useful, what people are finding intrusive, mm -hmm. and uh, then making corrections from there. I think that's sort of the most basic ask, right, is am I posting something that's even that people even care about? Right. So essentially it's a sort of measurement of engagement on, yeah. on your social channels and uh, you mentioned sentiment as well. And so you're looking for kind of, uh, I suppose, negative sentiment as well. Super probably, probably first you should actually be looking for negative sentiment, but as well positive and I don't know just how granular it gets, but maybe you know more. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like how, 
how is your team really equipped to do your measurements? So are you really in a position to just start with engagement metrics, um, some of the KPIs that are closest to you? Um, or are you able to really even then go gr more granular in understanding, you know, sentiment as a whole, or even then sentiment by different campaigns or sentiment by different product launches, different, different uh, topics, mm -hmm. themes? Um, if people are, you know, if your sentiment's amazingly high in October and you're like, oh, why? And then you're like, oh, my Halloween campaign. So you really need to start understanding your timelines based on your campaigns that way. Um, mm -hmm. I would say just, uh, I mean, we're talking about tools, right? So getting yeah. a holistic look of what's going on and then how people are reacting is, is definitely one, but that's just one small piece of the puzzle, right? The marketing side of the entire customer experience. And uh, if your marketers are equipped with information about what they're doing, how do they even then turn their focus out to say like, okay, I've done my part. That's very obvious. My, my emails or my open rates really great, but then they don't really see what happens to the customer once they've exited sort of that realm of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's uh, where it breaks a lot. The, the kind of the customer experience and the journey just because it's different teams, sometimes dealing with those different touch points. And sometimes those teams, you know, not only sit uh, on different different floors, but in different countries. Well, now they're all in their kind of, uh, you know, bedrooms and <laughs> living rooms, but... A challenge on uh, its own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's really important to internally kind of connect your organization in a way that they are even... That they're equipped to actually uh, handle the customer, the entire customer journey without any kind of breaks, right? Yeah, what I think is really interesting and I find really challenging right now is that a lot of times people are talking about the exact same thing, but because they've come from a different team or a different legacy reporting structure, they have different terminology for things, right? Hmm. Um, so a lot of times you you may talk about someone as a, I don't know, a, a customer, consumer, you know, a lot of brands have their own jargon right. for how they refer to, you know, people. Justin Bieber, he's got the believers, right? Um, right? You know, so who are these groups of people that you're talking about? Um, and then when they transfer to a different team, suddenly you're dealing with a different set of KPIs, different set of metrics, and maybe even different view or perspective on the whole journey, which is actually you know, could be, you could be talking about the exact same thing. And if you haven't really scrutinized your, the way a different team works, you might be thinking you're not talking about the same thing. So I think a lot of investigative work is, is, is important as these teams are coming together, which is marketing, customer care. Um, are we talking about the same thing, but just using different words? Yeah. And uh, there's all, all, often, sometimes also just, this reminds me just speaking about words uh, that we tend to kind of dehumanize them almost like we go from, uh, you know, speaking about our customers from like they're, they're people, then they turn into customers. Then at some point they're turned into users, you know, <laughs> they're not even, they're just like, it's uh, yeah. So it's at some point I feel like it's not only just keeping it consistent, but also just, using terminology that's a bit closer to uh, to the customer as opposed to the business maybe would help us. I don't know. Just a, just a crazy thought here. <laughs> no, that's super interesting, right? Is Because if you're viewing them from where you're sitting, it's a very different perspective. And if we were wanting to get in their shoes, let's actually, you know, uh, get even closer to the way people are talking these days and and the way they they experience your brand is maybe you should take their lead rather than them taking your lead at this point yeah uh, what about uh 
tools like uh, so you mentioned sentiment. So t- to me, one tool that connects really neatly to this is is listening, right? And that that's a, that is an integral part of understanding sort of the the vibes uh, in your community of kind of what's working and not. Exactly. What I think is so useful about, you know, listening and social media listening, uh, especially is that it it does turn your focus out from being so brand focused to being more community focused, right? Because mm-hmm. you're able to really then, um, you know, monitor a hashtag that you care about or keywords. You're not just looking on what's happening on your own pages or, you know, on your competitor pages, but you're seeking out that, um, you know, behind the scenes or, or, discussions that consumers are having even with each other, you know, on review sites, for example, or on other social media pages, on Quora, things like that. Um, and that's that's where people are speaking most comfortably and most openly about their experiences with you. They're maybe not going to be telling you exactly how they feel, but they're telling somebody. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, when, when they write uh, to you, when they're already kind of reaching out to you, there's a different kind of almost tone of voice that that they're reaching out with as opposed to chatting about your products with with a community of uh you know that share their hobby or something like that right yeah exactly suddenly there's you know this professional barrier or there's this transactional approach where you know they have a problem they come to you to fix it rather than they have an opinion and they want you to hear it and and intake it and 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 feedback to them so it's a completely different relationship and I think brands who are most open to changing that transactional relationship into this community building, brand building experience, um, that they're going to be the most successful if they're the ones most open to uh, internalizing this feedback and seeking it out from these different channels beyond where they're coziest. Yeah. So moving from uh, kind of your social channels into maybe a little bit into the, the web experience and uh, one... Uh, frame of, of measurement for, for that is is a voice of customer measurement, right? And I think not enough maybe businesses uh, at this point really gather like enough data on their web properties. So usually you'll be kind of tracking user behaviors and analytics and whatnot, and you kind of try to look at how much time people spend and which parts of the site, but it pretty much ends there. Um, can you maybe point us or, or, or give us a little bit more context of how marketers use uh, voice of uh, customer to understand their customer experiences? Yeah, for sure. I'd love to share. And then, of course, hear your perspective as well, because exactly as you mentioned, this is something that's maybe newer to marketers, but it's going to be even more important as we move forward into, you know, uh, social e-commerce or and anything that's sort of growing mm-hmm. with this digital experience, you know. So if we think about, uh, you know, previously how we love to shop, right? We love to go into the shopping malls. We love to go into the store. And we had an interaction with, I don't know, shopkeeper Robert or something. And he he wasn't super nice to us. And, and that, that was kind of stressful and sad. And um, so then we left the store. And on our printed receipt, there was maybe something about, you know, how was your experience today? And you could you could fill that out, but you know sometimes people just crumple up their receipts mm-hmm. <laughs> or you know uh, shove them into their wallets, and uh, maybe that is where that feedback loop gets cut off really quickly. And I think when when more users are moving to you know purchasing online or you know interacting with brands more often, if you catch them in the moment 
Um, you know, it's a long walk from the shopping mall to your car. Um, but if you can catch them in the moment there, they are feeling the way that they're feeling and in a non-intrusive, but in also a, a way that makes them feel like welcomed to share their opinion, then you're not going to get a lot of drop off. You may get even more feedback because they're right in the experience. It's right on their website. It's right in the chat after they've talked to your, you know, live agents. So it's, it's fresher and, uh, you can get that feedback much more quickly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, when you're looking at web data alone to kind of try to understand, uh, where maybe the the weak parts of your website really are, it's really difficult to say uh, which part of the journey was the really poor kind of uh, breaking point where where you know or a bottleneck in the experience where people are just get stuck and they don't find the next step easily or there's something frustrating and sometimes you can you know I I think you can find marketing departments probably looking at data for like weeks trying to figure out what it is but if they just like asked uh, 10 10 customers like uh, hey how is your experience you know they would get one answer and that that the problem would be solved probably within days um, exactly. So we need more feedback, absolutely, and that's more concrete from from our customers. Yeah, and when you when you think about getting feedback on how things aren't working well, we also have to make sure if we're talking about empathy and marketing, which I believe this is what the podcast is about, um, understanding what are these uh, again these these feedback intrusions or or is it feedback that looks welcome or that looks like it will improve how they're experiencing your brand. Um, there's nothing, I don't know, great feeling about you filling out a survey and it feels like they're just taking information from you, but they don't. you don't feel like it's going to be served back to you or you don't have that trust or that hope mm-hmm. or that expectation as a customer. So, you know, not, not so much as a what's in it for me, but just that, that icky feeling of a brand taking something from you that, that maybe mm-hmm. doesn't feel quite uh, aligned with, you know, your, your feeling as, as a as the end customer, basically. You got to do anything in your business that you can to flip your kind of mindset from thinking as a, as a marketer with a hat of a marketer and switch it so that you're thinking from a point of view of the customer. And this is the kind of tools that really help you get there. And, you know, if add one tool, add a second one, add a third one. And as as you keep adding them, you're going to start building some coherent view of those customer experiences that, uh, will will change your business. Uh, Absolutely. I'd but like what what I think what's interesting too is that people will will also believe that, you know, I have this tool so my problems should be solved. But it's a question as well as okay, how are your tools, you know, interacting with each other? How, what's that data shareability like? Who's accessing those tools because if your customer care teams have their own tool and their own secret data and your marketing teams have their own tool and their own secret data, then uh, what's what's that uh, data shareability knowledge transfer between these teams that can improve how the customer feels and sees and experiences your brand externally? Because things mm-hmm. could be a mess, you know, internally. Or maybe you're still working things out. Maybe maybe you still haven't figured out how to unsilo your teams in a way that makes sense from a business structure. But you don't want that internal chaos to ever be reflected externally. Yeah, yeah, you're totally correct, um, Monica. Before we uh, uh, kind of send our audience into the the world of uh, experience uh, making and back to their work desks. Uh, anything else to add? 
I'm not sure, actually. I don't know. Did we talk about uh, on your side? What do you feel is is empathy? Is it mostly just you know wearing both hats, or is there something deeper here that that you didn't get to say from a from a more emotional perspective? What did we define empathy? Did we did we want to really <laughs> share our you yeah. know our closing we, thoughts define, here? Yeah, should should empathy be defined from uh, a point of view of the you know, business terms as opposed to just uh, talking about emotions. Maybe we we need a specific term for this. But also, uh, I think um, in some kind of industries or or, or uh, some parts of the organization, I think maybe empathy could be a difficult thing to relate to. You know, there's sometimes in some parts of uh, our society, I think empathy doesn't have like a good good name or it's something that's maybe considered too kind of emotional or it's mm-hmm. not, uh, you know, you're supposed to be tough and you're, you know, sometimes in business you're not supposed to be, it's thought that you're not supposed to be empathetic, but as opposed to, as opposed to you got to get what you need, you know, go out there and, and, and make a name for yourself sort of thing. Uh, so I would say that if maybe for people who, don't feel comfortable with this word empathy, that another way to look at it would be through, through uh, uh, perception, take, perspective taking, sorry. Uh, so if you don't want to empathize, then at least try to uh, take a, a perspective from, from another point of view. And that, that's a strength. That's not a weakness if you're able to do that. Absolutely. Um, and also, I think at the beginning of the podcast, Mantis, you mentioned that uh, it's it's called like the brand flip. There's actually yeah, a marketing book right out, out now called the brand flip, which is this exact process of um, shifting your perspective or opening up your your plans and strategies to, to take in more perspectives. And um, so I, I think all of these words exactly uh, help you or your teams, if you are not quite comfortable of talking about empathy uh, in that, yeah, more ooey-gooey emotional perspective. Um, it's a, there's a few other terms you can use that you can get the buy-in from some, some maybe upper management or from, you know, your own team who may not be on the same uh, journey as you. Using all the right terms to, to really right. resonate makes the difference, right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what you call it. You got to get it done. So that's the, that's the important thing. Uh, well, Monica, I, I want to thank you for having this uh, very open and uh, conversation filled with empathy. So thank you for that. And uh, I hope we can uh, speak about uh, this again sometime soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mantis. And it was a pleasure to talk about. And uh, I think we covered some, some interesting ground here. Best of luck. Take care. <laughs>